everybody, welcome back. This week, we're gonna continue sort of the conversation that I was having with you last week about outsourcing and why you should do that for your business, no matter whether you're a podcaster or any type of business. I'm speaking to Nathan Hirsch, who is the founder of Outsource School, but he's also created and sold several businesses. He was an Amazon reseller at first, and then he created an outsourcing solution with complete with virtual assistants and things like that called FreeUp, and now is running something called Outsource School. And so we have a long conversation. We talk about, first of all, how he used podcasting to grow the businesses that he's had. But then we also get into a lot of conversation about outsourcing and why people should do it and how they can learn more about how to do it from Outsource School. So without further ado, here's Nathan. We'll talk a little bit about how podcasts have affected you and your life and your business, but I want to let people get a sense of who you are and, and where you've come from a little bit. So could you tell us a little bit about growing up and how you got to the place you are now as, a, as an entrepreneur? Definitely. Did we start or do you want me to... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just dive in. Cool. I don't care. <laughs> so I started off as a broke college kid and growing up, my parents were both mm -hmm. teachers. So I always grew up with the mentality that I would go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what they did. And now they're retired and they're traveling the world. But I knew at a, a young age, that's not at all what I wanted to do. And it was never more evident than when my parents would make me make me get these 40, 50 hour a week summer jobs, winter vacation jobs. And I was working for errands, which is like a rental center. I was an intern at Firestone. I learned a ton about sales and marketing and working with people, but I hated every minute of it. I was watching the clock. I hated having a boss. I hated reporting to authority. And when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I, I had seen a glimpse into what life was like after college and I want to know part of it. So I took that summer money and I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks, competing with my school bookstore because they were ripping people off. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. That was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I didn't want to get kicked out of school. My parents were both teachers, so that would not have gone over very well. So I pivoted and I had sold some of these books on Amazon. This was 2008, 2009. No one knew what Amazon was. There were no courses, no gurus. And I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24 seven storefront and I just had to figure out what to sell. So I started experimenting with stuff I'm familiar with, sporting equipment, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff. And I just fail over and over and over. The only thing I could get to sell were these books. And finally, I branch out of my comfort zone and I come across the baby product industry and I list some baby products and they sell and I list some more products and they sell. And before I know it, I'm running this huge baby product business. If you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy with more hair selling a million dollars of baby products on Amazon. And this business took off. My parents tell me that I should probably start paying taxes, right? So I meet with an accountant. And the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. Pretty standard entrepreneurial excuses. And he just laughed in my face. And he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. 
Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter. It's me doing everything. I'm answering every email, filling every order, and I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I work my butt off for eight weeks to just keep this business alive. And when I get to January, I think to myself, man, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people. So I'm 20. I know nothing about hiring. I post a job on Facebook. This guy in my business law class named Connor messages me. He says, I don't know what you do, but I need a job. And I just say, you're hired. I don't even interview him. And he ends up being this unbelievable hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. He's been my business partner for 10 years. So I just hit the jackpot right from the beginning. And there I am as this punk 20-year-old entrepreneur thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job, someone shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire, quickly learning that college kids, not very reliable. And no 30-year-old in the real world wants to work for me as a 20-year-old Amazon seller when no one even knows what Amazon is. So I turn to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and make some good hires. But I just hate how long the process takes it, to post a job, get 50 people to apply, interview them one by one. And I kept looking for something better, something faster. And when I couldn't find it, I had the idea to, to build it myself. So that's really when my next company came about, the idea of free up a platform that pre-vets, VAs, and freelancers and gets them to clients quickly with great support and a no turnover protection. And I scaled that business for four years, which I'm sure we'll talk about it. And we were acquired uh, a few months ago. And now I'm working on my next project, Outsource School. So that's a super short version of how I went from a broke college kid to textbooks, to baby products, to free up to, to now Outsource School. Yeah. I met you at one of the Florida Podcasters Association meetings where you were speaking about FreeUp and that virtual staffing, virtual assistant process. And you mentioned during that talk, especially that you'd been on something like over 200 podcasts in the process of building that business. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey there. First of all, why do you think that people gravitate towards podcasts. You were on over 200, there's over 600,000 or 700,000 now, and like 51% of Americans are listening to podcasts. Why do people like podcasts? Yeah, it's a great question. I came from the Amazon industry where I didn't have to advertise or market at all, right? Amazon does that for you. That's why you pay them the, the 15%. So coming into FreeUp, I really had to learn marketing and branding from scratch. And for me as a pretty frugal person, a pretty low risk person, which sounds funny as an entrepreneur, but I probably am more conservative on the risk side. For me to dump $50,000 in Facebook ads or, or whatever it is, didn't make a ton of sense. So for me, it was about building relationships early on. And some of those relationships led to opportunities to be on podcasts. And when we were trying lots of different things from lead generation to, to cold calls, cold emails, to blog posts and content. And when I got on podcasts, it was a quick way to get in front of thousands of people, hopefully, which were my core audience at the time. We were still figuring out our audience. But people enjoyed my story and being going from a 20-year-old to an Amazon seller and there were a lot of failures. It wasn't just straight up and people related to that and they were more likely to, to trust my business when they heard my backstory and they understood why I actually created FreeUp. I didn't just create it because I wanted to make more money. I created it because that was the marketplace that I wanted as a business owner. So I built it and I think people resonated with that. And from there, it became more addicting. I, I always joke that in my first podcast, I won't even listen to because I know I didn't do a good job, but you get better and better over time. And, and I think a lot of people relate to that. They, 
see your journey as you continue to grow. Sure. So tell me more about how podcasting specifically affected the growth of FreeUp. Do you have any specific stories that you could share about connections that were made or relationships were built that really grew that business? So I remember, well, first of all, we spent almost no money on marketing. Our last month of free up, we spent $1,000 on Facebook and Google ads, just retargeting. So outside of affiliate programs and content swaps with different partners, podcasts was one of the number one ways we drove traffic to our business. And there were podcasts where it took me years to get on. I remember uh, the amazing seller, Scott Volker's podcast, the Amazon podcast. It was three years of me contacting him before he would let me on. And there was this other influencer who agreed to work with us, agreed to be part of our affiliate program. And he told me that, hey, if I have you on my podcast, and I don't want to mention his name, like you're going to blow up. Like You have to be ready for it. You have to promise me that you're going to be able to take care of those customers. I cleared my schedule out for two weeks. I went on his podcast. It went live. And my phone just didn't stop ringing for two weeks. And he was checking in with me every few days, like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm still talking to your customers. Don't worry, I got this. And it, it was crazy. And, and that was the first major influencer that we that really blew up free up or got us on the map. And then from there, it becomes a little bit easier. People recognize you, you can get on more podcasts, but it took a lot of begging and networking, connecting. And then once we got the opportunity, it was up to us to not blow it. If all of a sudden those customers went back to him and said, Hey, we heard your podcast. We tried out a service. It was terrible. They treated me poorly. That would have been the end of a huge opportunity. So it was kind of interesting how that played out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so we just talked a lot about podcasting and and the specific ways that it worked for you you mentioned as you were getting into free up and transitioning from amazon that you hadn't had to advertise you hadn't had to really know a lot about marketing for amazon but then you had to learn all of that for free up so why and and maybe you did do some blogging and, and video and things like that but why was podcasting a more powerful thing for you I'm assuming it was more powerful because you mentioned it a lot, especially um, with your new venture. Why was it more powerful or why was it more effective for you than those other forms of content? Yeah. So a, a few reasons. First of all, you're getting in front of your ideal audience, assuming that you did the job to apply to the correct podcast. If you're going after e-commerce sellers, you get in front of thousands of e-commerce sellers at once. And so that's the first part of it. The second part of it that a lot of people overlook is relationships. You get to, you and I were talking before the podcast. I think a lot of people mess up because they go on the podcast, they, they give their story, they give their pitch, they sign off and then they go on the next podcast. For me, I built tons of relationships with podcasters over the past three years that, yes, yeah, sometimes they refer me to other podcasts, but other times I'm helping them and adding value to them, whether it's through free up or through a connection or whatever it is. And those relationships over time really help you. And those are people that have a voice that are constantly putting content out there. And then next would be backlinks and SEO. If you look at the free up website, our SEO skyrocketed over three years. And yes, some of it was content swaps and being mentioned on different stuff, but a lot of it was podcasts and having those backlinks in place. I remember when we were, we were actually mentioned on the Tim Ferriss podcast. I wasn't interviewed, but we were mentioned and stuff like that really helps your website, helps your organic search ranking and all of that. So it's not just one thing with podcasts. 
it's a lot of them. And people would hear me on three or four different podcasts. And then they run into me at a conference and be like, Oh, I know you, I've heard your story. I have your background. And I mean, that opens up a lot of business opportunities. Yeah. It's amazing how those little weird connections with the podcast work because people trust you so much that they tell everybody about you, right? Like, like I have a client who is a therapist and a comedian that was on Joe Rogan's podcast in hour two, like um, an hour and 45 minutes into one of these marathon Joe Rogan interviews, she mentioned the podcast that my client does. And she mentioned it for maybe two minutes that is, this had been something she'd been going, been going through and it was really helpful to her. And the spike in downloads that we saw on the <laughs> podcast for that one day was just insane just because of the crazy reach that you can get when people trust you. Okay. You told us about free up and You've now sold free up and it was very successful and you have a new venture outsource school, which as far as I understand it, it's a course, a community for teaching people how to use virtual assistants and other forms of outsourcing, correct? For the past four years of running free up, people have been asking me, hey, do you have a course I can buy? And we haven't just had time to build it. I mean, we put out lots of podcasts and blog posts and and stuff like that, but something more organized have actually walked someone through, hey, this is our process. And with FreeUp, we had no US employees. We ran all the day-to-day operations of an eight-figure business with 35 full-time VAs in the Philippines. And we didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 people. We had a plan. And we didn't just cross our fingers and hope that these 35 people would be rock stars. We had a good process that we put them through to interview them and onboard them and manage them and train them. We want to launch, we're going to launch our first course. And depending on how that goes, we have lots of ideas for softwares to help clients and help VAs to different additional courses down the line, like how to use a VA for social media or how to use a VA to get on more podcasts. But to start, we're launching our first course called Crack the VA Code, our IOTA method. And IOTA is IOTM, stands for Interviewing, Onboarding, Training, and Managing. And we're really just going to teach people how we did it. What is our process? The same process that we use in our Amazon business. It's the same as FreeUp. It's the same with Outsource School. We just started hiring VAs and we used FreeUp to hire VAs and they got us good talent. But if you don't know what to do with that talent afterwards, it only does you so much good. So we really want to teach people, hey, here's the interview process. Watch us interview a VA. Here's how we onboard them. Here are the one-on-one meetings we have with them. Here's our training process to value your time at the highest level. And we think that entrepreneurs are going to get a lot out of it. Excellent. That's uh, As someone who's now had three VAs and finally gotten to the point where I have an assistant that is on board with me and on the same page. And I feel like I was successful in making sure she was ready to <laughs> do what I needed. I that's that need is out there because it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to get to that point. So what's the podcasting plan for outsource school? It's funny. So I went on podcast for three years. And then the last year of free up, we launched a podcast called the outsourcing and scaling show. That is a, still a good podcast. We had a lot of really awesome guests like Roland Frazier and, and high level people. We sold that with free up. Now we're starting over and, and we're getting on podcasts, doing the podcast tour again. I was just on the, the bigger pockets podcast talking about outsource school. So we're probably going to follow the same path. I don't have any plans to launch my own podcast yet, but if outsource school does blow up, I think eventually that will happen. So right now it's 
the same blueprint, so to speak, on how we grew FreeUp, which is podcast is a part of it, but it's also partners with other people in the industry that do different things, but have similar audiences. So we'll blast them to our list and vice versa, blog swaps, whatever it is, putting out content on social media, on our blog, videos, stuff like that. And an affiliate program. We, we have an affiliate program that people can sign up with. We had it with FreeUp. That was a big hit. We paid out $250,000 in 2019 out of our affiliate program. And we want to do the same thing with Outsource School. So same blueprint, just a, a different business. Very cool. So I want to go back now to the beginning of your getting involved in podcast. You mentioned that the first interview you did, <laughs> you probably don't want to listen to ever again. What, like what growing pains as someone who did a lot of interviews, what growing pains did you experience getting into the podcasting world, whether it be the relationships, finding people to interview you or technical, like anything would be great to hear. Yeah. So it's funny. My, my first podcast, it was actually my second, but the first one actually didn't get recorded. They, the person didn't record the audio. So my second podcast was Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. I don't even know how I nailed that. I had hired a, a PR place and they had connections with him. And this was before he blew up. I was not prepared. I, I definitely bombed it. I won't even listen to that episode. And on the flip side, I was getting into speaking at conferences. And the first conference that I spoke at, they actually like pulled me aside afterwards and just told me how bad it was. So, so I had like two, two experiences where getting out of my natural comfort zone, talking in front of people, talking, talking on a podcast didn't go very well, but I learned from it. And I think it came down to a bunch of different things. First of all, I tend to talk quickly, which I've tried to change over the years, haven't really adapted that, but more about being able to talk fast and also have clarity and have passion. Another part of it is I came from like a, I'll say a sales background with Firestone. It's like pitch, pitch, pitch. And on podcasts, that doesn't go over very well either. So changing my approach there. And also you're, you perfect your stories, right? If I go on a hundred podcasts, the end of the journey, like the whole free up sale, that part's changed. So that's something new and, and additional, but my core stories that how I lost everything and my manager quit on me and how my, my one supplier dropped me on the same day while I was on vacation, that kind of stuff doesn't really change. That's my life. It's the truth. So being able to perfect those stories and articulate them gets better and better over time. And I think just the flow of a podcast where there's more back and forth, more conversational, um, all that stuff, you just slowly get better at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, and I I think what I'd like people to take away from that story too, is that you kept going, (laughs) like you hit those walls, you got knocked down, you got told to your face, whoa, that wasn't good, but you kept going. And I think that's really great. So as we're coming to an end now, I, I want people to know more about Outsource School. So if they want to learn about Outsource School, more about you, your businesses, where can they go? Yeah. So feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm one of the easiest people to contact. Nathan Hirsch on Facebook. If you go to Real Nate, the Real Nate Hirsch on Instagram, on Twitter, and Nathan Hirsch on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me. I'm always putting out content about hiring and scaling businesses. If you go to OutsourceSchool.com, you can join our wait list. You'll get access to or beta version, a discounted price for the initial people. And uh, yeah, connect with me however you see fit. If I can add value to you in some way, let me know. Awesome, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have you ever wondered how other podcasters grow their audience? Well, one of the best ways to do this is by being a guest on other podcasts, borrowing their audiences. 
So that's why I created the Publicity Power Pack. It's a product designed to help you learn how to network with other podcasters and get invited onto their shows. There's really no better way to grow your audience. The Publicity Power Pack provides you with everything you need to network with other podcasters, be a better guest, send pitches that people actually respond to, and begin your journey towards becoming an in-demand guest. So what are you waiting for? Let me help you grow your podcast starting today. Get the Publicity Power Pack only for $27. You can go to dannyosmond.com slash PPP to get it today.